Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. A little later in the show, we're going to return to the subject of the standoff at Standing Rock in North Dakota. A photographer from Detroit is there shooting a documentary or has been there shooting a documentary. She's going to join us today to talk about what she saw there. You're going to want to tune into that. And of course, we're going to want to hear from you about what you think about the standoff there. Of course, uh, we saw over the weekend that situation flare up yet again with authorities now using hoses, I believe, on the protesters. So uh, we'll want to hear what you think about that. Of course, uh, also compare what is going on at Standing Rock and the environmental threat being posed to the drinking water there to what's going on here in Flint, Michigan. So again, uh, about quarter to nine, quarter to ten. In fact, uh, we'll get to that subject. Uh, but up front, uh, a viral video recently spread across the internet that showed middle school students chanting "Build that wall," a reference to President-elect Donald Trump's campaign promise to build a physical barrier across America's border with Mexico, our third largest trading partner, and of course our next-door neighbor. Other students were visibly upset with tears in their eyes as the chant continued. And then just a couple of days ago, at the same school, a noose was found in a boy's bathroom. This isn't happening in some far-off place that we're reading about. This was Royal Oak Middle School, just a few miles north of Detroit here in southeast Michigan. How can parents, school administrators, and kids deal with the tension and turbulence that this election has created? How can communities heal after the presidential campaign and election of 2016? Of course, we are seeing lots of kids react to the things that they're seeing and hearing and the things that they have seen and heard over the last year and a half. And if you pay attention to the news at all, you're starting to see all over the country how that reaction plays out. And often it is in harassment or in some cases in violence. If you want to join the conversation, uh, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. What are you telling your kids about the presidential election here in 2016, about the presidential campaign? What are you telling your kids about the things that Donald Trump has said he will do, has promised he will do, including building a wall between America and Mexico, including adding a religious test to our immigration system and saying that perhaps Muslims won't be able to pass that test. How about registering Muslims? Are these ideas frightening to your kids? Do you, or they do not understand them? And you find yourself having to, to come up with explanations. And how do you get the, across to your kids the idea of healing, even if they disagree with Donald Trump or disagree with other kids in their school who might support Donald Trump, how do you talk to them about coming back together, about putting the election aside and moving together into the future? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments into the conversation. Joining me in studio to talk about this subject uh, are Chastity Pratt-Dossie. She's a reporter with Bridge Magazine who joins us frequently to talk 
about education here in the state of Michigan. Chastity, welcome back to Detroit Today. Hello, Detroit. <laughs> uh, also, Alicia Ramon, who is the mother of the student who captured the Royal Oak Middle School Build That Wall chant on video. She's also a former CEO of Latino Family Services. Alicia, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, Chris Wygent is the executive director of the Michigan Association of School Administrators. Chris, welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah, thank you very much. Sorry I couldn't be there in person, but uh, glad to join you by phone. Yeah, well, we hear you loud and clear by phone, so that's working <laughs> out just Sorry. fine. Uh, Alicia, I want to start with you. Uh, it was your child who captured uh, this this video. Give us an idea. I've seen the video, of course, mm-hmm. many times on social media and on the news. I had a lot of questions, yes. of course, uh, immediately about that school, about the kids who are sitting in that cafeteria about the relationships they may have, uh, you know, outside of this incident. And then, of course, I also thought, well, they're middle schoolers. I have two middle schoolers. They're savages. And and, yeah, thank you, Chastity. That is a perfect word. They can be savages. So I wasn't sure how I should react, whether I should be as furious as I instantly was Mm -hmm. when I saw it, or whether I should take a little more measured tone and think, well, uh, find out a little more about this before, before, you, before you jump to, to conclusion. So, so tell me a little about the school. Tell me a little about uh, the atmosphere there, uh, and then talk about what was going on in this, in this video. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, Royal Oak School District is a great district. It's a great community. We always felt welcome there. And um, a lot has changed when uh, my daughter or um, when our students started at uh, the middle school. Things began to change. We started having a few incidents regarding our, our um, ancestry, regarding our heritage. We're of Mexican descent. And so the jokes and the slurs. And, of course, you know, you work with the administration or the principal in the office, and, and you really aren't really getting the answers that you'd like. So you start working with your child, and you ask them to start navigating through the process. And, you know, I think things progressed and they began to get worse and worse and so, worse. So talk about these these things, these incidents that, mm-hmm. that have started now that your daughter's in middle school. What, what, what are we talking about? Well, I mean, we're talking about racial slurs, racial jokes, racial intimidation, bullying, those kind of things. And I know that... So all along the spectrum. Here. All along the spectrum. And not just directed just at the, you know, the Hispanics, but at the other um, minorities as well. And so she would come home and we would work through it, navigate it, go up to the school and just try to, you know, navigate through the process. Because part of it is, you know, you you think, okay, they're middle schoolers. I mean, certainly my middle schooler wouldn't do those things, but they've been brought up differently in a different environment. And I think, um, you know, that's where the parent component comes in. Um, But they might act out in other ways. So gave them the benefit of the doubt and we tried working through that. But as they began to get... You know, progressively worse in what the, not only the language, but the type, um, you know, it became, it was very upsetting. I yeah. guess I have no other word I try to, you know, to say is that it was upsetting. And, and yes, as a parent, you know, you expect to send your child to school. You entrust that school with your most valued possess- possession, and you want them to be safe. And you don't want your child to come home or your student to come home and be afraid as well. Yeah. Or feel bad or intimidated or, you know, just those are not things that you 
So this incident wasn't in a vacuum. It wasn't one thing right. that just popped up out of nowhere. No, no, it wasn't. Um, and so there w- those were what I felt were unresolved in the past year and a half. And I think that that's kind of what led up to the culture of the climate of the school in this instance. Um, you know, I mean, hindsight, retrospect, I can look at it and dice it because certainly I've tried. You know, we deal with this for so many years. I mean, here I am 42 years later after starting my journey into the school. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, you know, your children have the same issues sure, and sure. it shouldn't be that way. So, uh, so uh, talk about the community, though, that, yeah. that you, you live in there in Royal Oak. Are, are these things that you see outside the school? Are these things that, that your children or that you encounter no. when you're dealing with, with your no. neighbors, for instance? No, our neighbors are great. You know, there's a lot of, you know, just a different, um, it's a pretty progressive, you know, liberal town. Yeah. And that's how that's how people think of Royal Oak, I think. Yeah. Diverse yeah. and yeah. liberal. Yeah. Yes. And that's exactly what it, what it is and has been for me and continues to be. I think Royal Oak is a great community. Um, there are a lot of great people there. I think that the challenges in, in the school, um, you know, the climate within the school and what was allowed to fester and foster within that school you know, over the time, it may have been, you know, why we're here today. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm not 100% certain. Um, but, you know, to get, I think one of your questions was, you know, kind of set up the video of what sure. happened. Yeah. Um, it's a large school. There are, I believe, like 1,500 students. And so they attend lunch by grade. And the cafeteria is huge. You know, it's just... It's a larger setting. And so out of that student body there, um, they chose the chant on the section where um, the three Hispanic students were. And so for me, I think that that was the message was very clear. Sure. You know, it was predetermined. I mean, someone did plan it out. Now, with that being said, we are in middle school. So does that speak for the entire seventh grade body? No, because the lunchroom is huge and there's different sections but it happened in the area in the section which is why the video is so loud in the section where um the three students were sitting um and i think people joined in maybe some kids like would be middle schoolers like we say that really didn't know what was going on peer pressure following the crowd yeah yeah but certainly i believe that the ones who started it and and did it because they directed it in the area where the only this was targeted at your daughter and and other hispanic there were yes two other um latino students yeah. yeah so there it's not a very diverse school there's not a lot of diversity but um you know, again, I, I don't think it speaks for the entire student body, nor do I think it speaks for our entire community. But I do think, you know, it would be um, that we do need to look at, you know, the process and how things were handled for it, in the historical context yeah. that led us to where we're at today. And then, again, you know, how it was handled on that day. Yeah. Yeah. as well. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Chastity Pratt-Dossie, a reporter with Bridge Magazine. She joins us pretty regularly to talk about education. Uh, Alicia Ramon is the mother of a student who captured Royal Oak Middle School students chanting, build that wall uh, in their cafeteria. And Chris Wygent is the executive director of the Michigan Association of School Administrators. We're talking about Tolerance in the wake of the 2016 presidential election. Tolerance among children. How do we talk to kids about all of the anger and rancor that we unleashed during the 2016 presidential campaign? Now that it's over, how do we 
get them to to sort of work together, uh, go together into the future without that anger and rancor. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter, and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Chris Weigand, uh, talk to me about uh, how, from from the standpoint of school administrators, uh, we just heard uh, Alicia Ramon talk about uh, the frustration she has had with the reaction of uh, school administrators there in Royal Oak to ongoing issues and and incidents uh, around this sort of intolerance. Uh, what what do you guys tell administrators about how they're supposed to be? Uh, building the environment that, that that these children operate in. Yeah, a great question. Let's let's talk about this a little bit. Um, Alicia, first of all, as a as a human being, I'm so sorry what happened to your daughter and others. Um, when I saw the video, I actually wasn't angry. I was just sad. And I was a superintendent for 25 years, and just absolutely hated it when children were bullied. So I want you to know that. Um, you certainly have my my sympathies and empathy as a parent as well. Thank you. So bullying is not new in schools. Um, this has happened for years. Perhaps the bullying is a little different now, but there's there's been a lot of this going on over the years. And we continue to talk about how important the school climate is. And I think Alicia brought up a good point. A time to deal with school climate is not when an issue happens. Um, it needs to be in place, and then when issues do happen, uh, hopefully they can be taken care of immediately. I know that um, in talking with Sean Lewis Lake and uh, the superintendent at Royal Oak, um, how much he is working, trying to work with parents, trying to work with staff, with the community, um, and trying to be transparent and very open. And quite frankly, that's what we work with administrators on. When you see a problem, don't turn your shoulder on it, no matter how small it seems and really, really start working immediately. Use resources that are available, school counselors. There are human service agencies that are waiting and willing to come in and, and work with children and work with staff and work with parents. Um, we think it's really important, again, to have a positive and appropriate school climate uh, as part of just what's going on every day. Remember, our job is, is not only help children learn, but it's helped children learn in a very safe environment. And we know that children won't learn to their capacity if, if they're intimidated or if they're bullied or if they have any of those types of problems, just like we as adults are um, in our work environment as well. So to be specific, number one, be very open, be transparent. Try to think ahead, see what's brewing. Uh, the principals and assistant principals should have a very, very good handle on what's going on in the school on a daily basis have interaction with the students, have students not be afraid to talk to administrators or a teacher about a problem. And then the most important thing is for parents to feel that issues are followed up on mm -hmm. and that they're not being ignored. And like I said, I have a lot of experience as a school administrator, and my experience with other administrators is that they do care. And sometimes if they're in an area that they're not familiar with, that's when they need to reach out uh, to their central office administration or to others to make sure that everyone's on the same page. Because again, even if it's just one child out of a thousand, that's one child too many. 
the children need to feel safe in their education environment. You know, Chris, I have a question. I'm wondering what advice do you have for superintendents such as um, Sean who have to deal with, number one, this, this huge issue, and also with parents who might say, uh, look, this makes us look bad. You know, we're in a, a situation in Michigan where schools compete for students and funding and anything negative, quote unquote, could cost you a lot. And you have parents who are saying, um, you know, you guys, hush, 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 don't tell everybody about this. But there's also a responsibility to deal with the kids who now feel unsafe and to deal with the children who are making people feel unsafe. How how does a, an administration balance those competing interests of, you know, dealing with the issue, but also dealing with parents who might say, we can't let anybody know or shame on you for letting this become a publicity thing? Yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, unfortunately, this is a really competitive environment. But my opinion is, and and what I tell superintendents and what I would continue to tell superintendents is, we have to put that competition aside in these types of situations and full transparency to the community, to the public, has to happen. Um, Try to keep this stuff secret, and that's that's when you run into problems. And listen, sooner or later, it's going to be public, and someone's going to make the story, I would rather have people control the message appropriately and say, here's what's really going on. And maybe more importantly, here's how we're dealing with it. Because if parents see an administration um, like I've seen in Sean that is empathetic, sympathetic, and really want to take care of the problem and is transparent and honest and open, that's the kind of school district I want my child to go to. So my theory has always been be out in front, be open and make sure that people are seeing what's really going on so that gets away from rumors and and other types of things that people like to do. Yes, um, if I could just interject. Um, Our dealings with uh, Sean Lewis Lincoln, I think he was initially, I think, surprised that we have had all the challenges that we had. So I do agree with you. I think his leadership and, um, you know, dealing with this, Dealing with the incident, you know, first and foremost, I have to think there were parents who did come together while there are parents who did not, were not on the same page. Definitely, it was a very difficult time for our blended family, extremely difficult time, and mostly for our student and all the continued harassments and the things that happened in the days that followed um, the exit of that video. So from an administrator standpoint, I think the district, um, you know, navigated through it well. And I think that we learned a lot, and I think in the in the incidents that came forward, I think it was reflected in that. So our issue in the climate, I think, was set by the school principal, and and what you know, and 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 their own um, leadership within that. And I think that that's really where the struggle was, and that's where I believe a lot of the parents really struggled. So it wasn't necessarily with the district or with your superintendent, our superintendent, because. Um, again, I, I believe in his leadership. If not for his leadership, I think it could have gone in a different direction, the whole resolution of that. So I do want to be, um, you know, do want to thank and acknowledge uh, our current superintendent for yeah. the work that he's done because it was difficult work. It took leadership. It took a, a level of sensitivity to the students, to the overall community at large. But there were some, you know, there are some structural systemic issues within the school, but because I trust the superintendent, I know that um, that those 
that those systemic issues within that building hopefully will be resolved. Yeah. Well, well let's, let's, let's talk brass tacks. I mean, let's just keep it very real. What needs mm-hmm. to happen from here to heal and try and make sure this stuff doesn't happen again? I mean, the the yes. noose found in the bathroom, that's exactly. even, yeah. I think, I, I would describe that as an escalation, perhaps, of yes. of the behavior as opposed to I a mean, tempering of it. Your yes. student has gone through it, has experienced, has mm-hmm. <laughs> endured uh, racial slurs and intimidation to date. She's and, not alone in that as and, well. And, there have been many students who have come forward since the incident, which right. is why I felt a sense of responsibility that this cannot be for just that one instance. Absolutely. Because and I, as, I heard about that at a school board meeting where yeah. parents were saying, and this happened to my kid and that happens to my kid. So right. what needs to happen? I mean, I think, you know, what needs to happen is there need to be some changes within this school, within that particular school, because it's not that we haven't had issues at the elementary school, but it was how that principal, uh, we have a principal, uh, Ioana's at Adams Elementary, that's where my other child is, and I'll tell you, we had a very sensitive issue happen, several, um, you know, with my son directly, and somehow within, you know, how he handled the policies and procedures and what was given to him as far as his resources and the super, from the superintendent from the district, he was able to resolve them like snapping in a hurry. By the end of the day, things were we were on a different page. And so I, I thank him for his leadership. So then it goes back to, okay, well, you know, did this person, does the principal at the other school, does he need capacity building? I mean, does, I mean there's, there's some right. issues there. It's, so it's are they brushing things under the rug and just, I mean, yes. really, do we need situations where, you know, and if anything happens, a parent come in, uh, you know, some kind of uh, uh, situation where the, the, the parents speak to each other. I mean, yes. just, you know, on a really real basis, I'm wondering, you know, what's, where's the breakdown happening? I think the breakdown was really from the leadership of the school, and the parents, and not all the parents, because what was also disheartening when you get to meet a lot of parents, unfortunately, through something like this, you know, their concern, you know, and I must, you know, I want to say that their concern, and, and one parent told me directly, we're entitled, we're an entitled community. And so I brought an issue to that same principal, and what concerns me the most, Mrs. Ramon, is that he handled it. Yeah. He not only handled it, that other student, you know, wrote a letter of apology to this student, sent him a t-shirt and just handled it like, you know, and beautifully, which, mm-hmm. and I was just astonished that my incident was never handled like that. Yeah. And over the weekend, I met another, you know, parent who said, my, you know, I'm not heard. I thought I lived in a great community up until my son reached middle school. So I, I mean, I don't really like to point fingers because I'm not really in that place, but from a parent's perspective, um, I think that something needs to happen much differently and hopefully this incident or whatever process they take will bring uh, forth those changes yeah, yeah. you know more diversity diversity in the classrooms diversity say, at the leadership yeah, level i mean uh, you know you look at the statistics in a city like royal oak which we again mm-hmm. think of as a very liberal place it's 90.7 percent mm-hmm. white i would imagine that the schools yep. are probably a little more diverse but maybe not much and that has a that plays a big role in this right. and that does play a huge role i think that it's important that we have you know educators that are not just reflective of the student body in this instance we need to have educators at a, at a higher percentage because um, two things happen. One is, you know, the child feels embraced and, and can sense of relate, but then also organically, those educators begin to, um, you know, help your administrators and also the other teachers. But if you have one or two or three or maybe f- I think four, mm-hmm. you know, 
educators of color, it's really hard for them to effectuate change in a way that could happen organically. Um, because let's let's just face it, our educators, we have to thank them. Yeah. They do a tremendous, tremendous job. Yeah, they're on the front lines. Yes. This stuff. All right. Uh, when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about how kids are dealing with the fallout from the presidential election. Stay with us and stay on the phones. Charlie in Detroit, you will be up first when we get back. 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. News, culture, community, every day on 1019 WDET, a different kind of public radio. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for tuning in. My guests are Chastity Pratt-Dossie, a reporter with Bridge Magazine, joins us frequently to talk about education. Alicia Ramon is the mother of a student who captured Royal Oak Middle School students chanting, Build That Wall in the school cafeteria. And Chris Wygent is the executive director of the Michigan Association of School Administrators. We're talking about how to talk to children about the 2016 presidential election and how to deal with incidents that go beyond dialogue to harassment uh, and and other things. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the Facebook, uh, the WDET page there. Put your comments down or go to, ha- to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Chuck on Facebook says, my personal rule is that kids should not be politicized. Don't take kids to political rallies. Don't use kids in political advertisements or in political uh, demonstrations. Elizabeth on Facebook says, I'm not sure if kids are hearing too much or hearing too little. I've heard kids say that Trump was cool, but couldn't explain to me why they thought that. And I've heard kids be upset that they wouldn't be able to stay with, stay friends with their, quote, non-white classmates, even though those classmates, as far as I, I know, are citizens. Maybe children need to start learning how to do legitimate research and start formal debates early on in school rather than in high school, as we've seen children become very interested in politics. Uh, let's go to the phones here. Lots of folks calling in want to talk about this issue. Charlie in Detroit. Welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, thank you, Stephen. Good morning. Great show. Thank you. Hey, um, I just wanted to say, as a uh, former uh, parent of three um, Royal School kids and one myself, um, they all three went to middle school. I just, you know, I think that uh, as a community, as a school district, we ought to take this as a tremendous learning opportunity, which I understand they're supposed to do. and really try to teach these kids how we should uh, behave and uh, treat each other as humans. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you very much for that call, uh, Charlie. Charlie, uh, I appreciate the call and uh, the thoughts there. Let's go to Julie in Farmington Hills. Julie, welcome to Detroit today. Hi, Stephen. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I would first like to make a comment. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm a Mexican American woman, and growing up in high school. My brother was bullied for being Mexican, and he had to switch high schools. Um, and I felt like the dialogue in our southern schools, um, they did not realize the racism and the discrimination there. Um, and I further comment is I think that 
President-elect Trump is giving people um, a card to be racist now. So um, my question is for the mother, um, is did you have a dialogue with the parents of the particular students that were chanting build a wall? Um, and furthermore, um, I feel like the students are learning that um, from foremost their parents. Um, and so if you could just, um, you know, was there uh, any dialogue with the students' uh, parents Thank about um, the chant? Yes. Yeah. No, Julie, uh, great, great comment there. Thank you very much uh, for calling in and sharing that with us. Uh, let's go to Layla in Royal Oak. Layla, welcome to Detroit today. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh-huh. Um, I just wanted to, well, first of all, I can't uh, give any comment on policies, but um, I just wanted to give a personal anecdotal story of a recent experience I had in Royal Oak. Um, my daughter uh, figure skates. She does figure skating lessons at the Royal Oak <clears throat> excuse me, ice arena. And last year she'd expressed interest about doing the ice show, but we were too late to uh, enroll for that. Uh, they have an ice show every April. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this year, she decided that she wanted to wear the headscarf. And um, when we went to her lessons last week, uh, they had the video playing from the ice show last year. And my daughter didn't say anything about it. She just watched the video and then went to her ice lesson. And as I was standing there watching the video with these young girls having a blast um, skating, I knew my daughter would love to do it. But because she wears hijab, she wears a headscarf, I didn't want her to have to choose between does she do the ice show or does she wear her headscarf. So I hummed and hawed about it, and the organizer of the ice show was there. And um, I asked her um, very carefully, you know, could my daughter... um, do the ice show, and she looked at me and just started gushing about how absolutely she could do it and how they have a wonderful seamstress and they could make it happen <laughs> and there's all sorts of options and so on and so forth. And she looked at me and she said, well, you might have to find a headscarf that matches her costume. I said, that is not a problem. <laughs> and I started crying yeah. right there just from sheer relief. And she right. started crying, <laughs> and I just wanted to say that if we give in to the hate that's out there and don't put ourselves out there, then we're just we're making real the political rhetoric. We as human beings are so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted to share that. Yes, Layla, uh, you win the prize for yes. best call of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. By far. Yeah. If we had something to give away, we would. <laughs> uh, but but uh, that's a very moving story. And I think it gets to this uh, deeper question of, of how we deal with these things, how we sort of go in a different direction. And it is through that sort of intimate uh, space uh, between two human beings that, that uh, interacting with people – uh, and not prejudging. Right. But you know what, though? I yeah. wanted to go, go ahead, back to go the ahead, prior um, uh, question that was uh-huh. raised by the uh, caller and ask Alicia, you know, did you talk to the parents of the kids who said build that wall? Because, you know, kids That's learn personal <laughs> interaction through watching personal interaction <laughs> with mm-hmm. adults. You know, if we fix the adults, we fix the kids. So how mm-hmm. was that conversation? 
Well, first of all, there was no conversation, and I think that that's the problem. You know, when this happened, I was shocked and, of course, went through all the grieving processes, you know, many you know, may have gone through. And so in talking with um, the assistant principal at the time, because the principal wasn't available, you know, I asked him for, I asked him to, for an apology, not just for, not just for my student, but for the students who were there. I asked him uh, for a letter to be sent home exactly with that intent, you know, to the parents. This is what happened. Have a conversation with your children and let them know that there's no tolerance, that this type of behavior just does not belong. Um, but it didn't kind of go the way that, you know, I mean, they said it was it just didn't go that way. Yeah. So I've not had the opportunity to either talk to that parent or do have they if they've identified the main kids or what have you. We're not we're not involved in that process. It wasn't right. until I was empowered by orga- by coming together with a group of other parents that we ended up meeting with the district and and moving in this direction. But yeah. to date, no. As right. a matter of fact, on the contrary, I received a lot of negative comments. Um, I'm sure. You know, lots of From emails other and lots parents? of parents. Oh yes, yes, yeah. we were. But, but you know, Chris, for, I'm wondering wait, for for. For, for what reason? Because you publicized the video? or um, Yes, they said um, things like, you know, you put my child in danger. You know, they felt, you know, entitled to tell me things about uh, a, a, an array of, of things. But mostly they were upset because um, folks were going to view them or their children in a different light now yeah. um, because well, of it. But yeah. again, you know, Chris, no one dealt with the Shoot the messenger, right, don't you? Right. <laughs> yeah. Chris, Chris Weigent, uh, Executive Director of Michigan Association of School Administrators, I mean, all of these things that we're hearing and these dynamics we're talking about seem to point pretty directly at the idea of leadership, that, that that's the the quality that I suppose is the potential pushback against this. Am I, am I right about that? Yeah, you are right. You know, and and I think it's really important that parents understand the process. And if they don't get what they want or need out of an assistant principal or principal, that they do need to go to that higher level. And sometimes that's intimidating. Sometimes uh, parents don't know about that. But that's really important because these types of things, as we know, build if we don't deal with them. Mm-hmm. And immediately, uh, from a, a superintendent or even a principal standpoint, you want to know what's going on. You know, let me add to this as well. This is, this is really difficult work, and we need to do a better job um, at our post-secondary institutions and, quite frankly, beyond that, and, and MASA included, on training for superintendents and administrators on how to deal with these issues. You know, there's so much pressure on, on assessment and all of those things, and we're just never going to get to that until we get the safety issue right. And... You know, I hate that we have to have examples like this that that turn the tide, but we can't change what happened. But what we can do is not turn our back on this, like Sean is really paying attention here, and make sure that it doesn't happen again. That's what we can do at this point. And that is the the, uh, call to action here that, unfortunately, we had to see this happen. But we need to learn from this, and we need to continue the training to make sure that administrators know how to deal with these types of situations because we know they want to but at this case it's just how do you give them the technical ability and how do you give them resources and human service agencies and counselors to reach out to if this is not their strength
Yeah, I do agree with that. I think that some of the things after talking to even more parents, I thought that there might be a process where it would bypass, um, not necessarily bypass, but where the reporting process may be directly, and I'm only sharing this because in, in the spirit of going forward, that there may be a way for certain types of incidents like these. First of all, um, I know it's in the handbook or I know that we've received an email now with, you know, going to the next step and the like. Um, but that information isn't readily available or doesn't readily share, you know, so I think that that's important, that communication, you know, is key. But the other thing is, is that, you know, somehow getting that, that the compliance officer, that there's a direct report from maybe a counselor or some type of other process so that the district is informed, so that we're um, not only looking, you know, at our future cl- climate, but also handling what's kind of going on. I think, you know, hindsight is 2020. Like I said, Royal Oak Schools, is a, they're great schools. There are yeah. a lot of great kids and a lot of great families there. This incident, you know, in, in our experience... These two incidents now? Well, <laughs> there have been more than two. And the most recently, you know, the one with the noose, I think, yeah. that was, I think it broke my heart. I'm like, here I thought, finally, okay, we're going to move in one direction, and then this happened. But what did come from that, as and I and as as horrible as that is, not was, it is, um, what did come from that is how the district handled it this time. Mm-hmm. They were swift. They were responsive. They informed me. I had the opportunity to, as a parent, to pick up my child. Um, you know, so I think what happened in this instance, there were a lot of lessons that were learned from, from the first, from the first one and it set the tone for this one. So I'm encouraged and I'm, and going forward that that's exactly how, because I don't think the incidents are going to stop across the United States. I think that it's important for us to understand them and how do we as parents engage, you know, along with our district and along with our greater community to keep all of our children safe. Yeah. That's really the dialogue that I think we're having, hopefully. Okay. Uh, Chastity Pratt-Dossie, reporter with Bridge Magazine, Alicia Ramon, mother of the student who captured Royal Oak Middle School students chanting Build That Wall in their cafeteria, also former CEO of Latino Family Services, and Chris Wygent, executive director of the Michigan Association of School Administrators. Thank all of you for being here on Detroit Today. Thank, Thank you. you very Thank much. You. Absolutely. All right. Uh, up next, we're going to talk to a Detroit-based photographer who recently went to Standing Rock Indian Reservation in North Dakota. Stay with us on Detroit Today. 